Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. University of Adversity, you know, we I really want to have, you know, stories that can really connect with people on a level that you know, they may be struggling, they may be going through adversity, they may be going through pain, whatever it is. And, you know, hope that maybe one person out there can take something out of it and apply it in their own life and, you know, help go on to do amazing things. You know, people like yourself, like myself, we've been through a lot of struggle, a lot of things and being able to overcome that is, is something amazing. So I just, I really appreciate you being here and being able to you know, share that story from when you were a high school dropout to when you were now. So if you can start wherever you like, I'd love to just, okay. you know. Okay, okay. Um, we have time, yes. Of so, course, yeah. I mean, um, I had the, a very, you know, um, unconventional childhood, at least for Europe. So my childhood was actually perfect, like just perfect, like what any child wants. But that meant I never had to do anything. I always got everything. Um, I didn't even have to ask. Everything was just there for me. The only child, uh, two parents, two grandparents, all just being there, taking care of me, telling me all the time how amazing I am, how good I am, and and all that uh, things. Unfortunately, that childhood never prepared me for being an adult. Uh, And... uh, yeah, when I was never stupid, but I just, you know, didn't want to work even for an hour for school. And, and that got me to, you know, then flunking in, in third grade of high school, three out of five. And I just said, well, you know what? I'm not going to return. Uh, I saw how my father was, you know, making some money, traveling around the world and so on with his company. And, you know, I said, wow, it's so amazing. You travel, you know, in the airports, the hotels and this and that. Like, ask me now. I mean, if I can avoid traveling for business, I'm always going to avoid it uh, (laughs) because you get sick of that. Uh, very, very quickly. But, you know, at that time, it felt like, wow, this is an amazing life. I just saw the nice things, you know. I never saw that you have to work, you have to earn money because everything was always just giving to, given to me and now I'm even going to get to travel and so on. So, uh, yeah, I, I went and worked for my father for the first few years and basically, my job was being sun by occupation. So that, you know, that whole cocoon thing continued. Um, I was really good at um, networking, connecting with people, and I really enjoyed doing that. And that was the only thing that I continued doing uh, in his company. So I was kind of like the sales guy there, one of the salespeople. And that's something that I enjoyed. But then um, my father got sick and he got pancreatic pancreatic cancer and so he went from the moment that he was diagnosed to dying in three weeks Um, and all of a sudden I had to take over the family business and wake up in the adulthood not being used to waking up to an alarm clock 
not being used to working, you know, like it, I, I would go to the company, be there for a few hours, then, you know, just go out and party. And now all of a sudden, um, you know, I wake up being an adult and, and, and that was hard. I mean, sometimes it still is hard. I, I still, you know, suffer from, from that uh, perfect childhood. I still do. And, you know, some, uh, a lot of my clients come from the opposite, you know, uh, difficult childhood, uh, then, you know, abuse, uh, or, you know, alcohol, drugs, uh, with the parents, stuff like that. And they, you know, always say, well, you had everything so easy. Uh, but you know, my response is, uh, you have work ethics, you, you have this, you have that. So, you know, like in anything that happened to us in the past, you can either find pluses or minuses. And if I want, I can give you 10, 15, 20 minuses of my childhood, but that won't solve anything. So, you know, you just have to deal with the past, learn as much as you can, take whatever you can uh, in, in learning and in growing and, and, you know, shape your future because we all come from a place of adversity. Uh, and, you know, to everybody else, they say, well, how can you say that was adversity? You know, like you had that perfect childhood. Yeah, that childhood never prepared me for anything in adulthood. Like I didn't know how to change a light bulb. I never vacuumed. I never you know, cooked and I, I never did anything, anything, you know? Um, so, so that, that was the first time I faced adversity um, in growing up overnight. And then because I didn't know what I'm doing, I had no knowledge, I had no skills. And, and, you know, I was taught from young age that I'm amazing, that I'm perfect, that I'm, you know, this almost like a superhuman so naturally, I, I, the, the thought of me needing to learn something or, or something like that never occurred to me. Well, you know, if you're so super, you can handle everything. And so about a year later, uh, that company was basically uh, ready for bankruptcy. I got lucky and two investors saw something in me. Uh, you know, they saw how good I am with people and they figured if we take over the company uh, and we deal with the company and everything and just let this guy do sales, that we are onto something. And at that point, um, you know, I knew that bankruptcy would be the best thing, but it was my father's company. It was family legacy. My father already died and I felt like I'm going to let him down. I'm going to let my mom down, everybody down. And, and so I was just looking for a solution. Um, what I didn't do was be careful about who I choose for my partners because they took over 55% of the company. I was left with 45. So they had most of the power in there. Wow. And in the beginning, you know, everything was perfect. You know, uh, they gave me company credit card. They gave me a car. They gave me a cell phone. And they said, off you go. Do your magic and we'll take off everything else. Um, later on, 
uh, I saw how they start drinking at 10 a.m. And then at 1 p.m., they start calling everybody in the company and they start telling them what they need to do. And they use this not so nice language and, and all that. And, you know, uh, the whole environment in the company became toxic, but I was locked in. So, you know, I had to sign a few things and, and be liable for the money they gave in the company and all that. So I had to just, you know, swallow it and, and just work with that. Um, because I didn't go on enough dates with them. I didn't check who they are. You know, I was just going for the one thing that I needed at that time. I was not looking at the future. And okay, so two, three years later, um, the company was running really well from sales perspective. All the rest was very difficult, but uh, the relationships and all that, but sales was great. And, you know, I had more money, a lot more money. And my mind was always full of ideas and I saw opportunities everywhere. You know, I saw problems and I was always constantly thinking of possible solutions. And, and I found a few ideas that uh, seemed like a viable business to me. And uh, because I didn't want to do them with those partners, I started creating new companies, my own companies. In all those years, I didn't took the time to learn what it is that's needed to run a business. Because I was so good at sales, I thought I can just wing it. And so I created three more companies, four more companies. And... Uh, at that time, that was 2006, 2005, 2007. At that time, economy in Europe was just booming. Like uh, now, looking back, I can't remember a single small business, big corporation going bankrupt. But at that time, how I viewed it was I'm the greatest, I'm the best, you know, I can't do anything wrong. Look at my companies, they're growing, they're booming, they're making me tons of money. And, and in 2009, because the, the crisis came a bit later to Europe than it hit the USA. So it was in 2009. At that time, my personal network was around 15 million US. Uh, money in the bank, real estate, investments, uh, a combination of all of that. And uh, one of my companies was uh, an investor in a huge real estate project, multi $10 million real estate project. And it was mostly financed by a loan from a bank. And we just started it. We were, you know, like just starting to, to, to build it. And it was Monday, December the 7th, 2009, I got a call from the bank uh, because the prices of real estate dropped so much. My, pro my project would never be uh, even come out with a zero. We would come out with a huge minus. So they did what any reasonable person would do. They, you cut your losses and, and you stop the project. But all my other companies and me personally, we were all tied into that project because when you take a loan so huge, you need to be, have collaterals. And also my mom <clears throat> was a collateral as well. Uh, 
because I really went into that project, you know, like full heartedly uh, and, and uh, wanting to finish it. Uh, two weeks later, all my companies were bankrupt because of the bank, um, because I had no warning whatsoever. Uh, the bank got most of the money back, but I was not able to pay out paychecks. I was not able to pay out taxes. I was not able to pay out suppliers and so on. So I ended up 5 million US dollars in personal debt. And in Europe, if your companies go bankrupt and you miss paying paychecks to employees and you don't pay the taxes, that you can't go into personal bankruptcy. Um, so you can only just, you know, pay back the money. Um, and, you know, how can you, I mean, <clears throat> I literally lost everything and now I have to pay back 5 million US. <clears throat> so, wow. I, yeah, I, I went into huge depression. Um, I was fighting this permanent state of anxiety. Um, there was just dark, darkness, darkness inside of me. I, 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 you know, like I was afraid to dream, to, to have goals. Like, you know, like it, everything seemed impossible, you know, like at one moment I would have this dream of making something, creating something. And then it was like, well, how will you like with what? Like you, you, it's not that you don't have money. You have this huge minus. I remember once when I was walking, and uh, there was this homeless person. And, and I thought in my head, like, you are at least 5 million richer than I am. Um, so um, for me, there was no tunnel, no light, no nothing. So, you know, um, and uh, the biggest problem was every morning I would wake up to phone calls. Um, I probably owed money to but like half of the country. Yeah. Every single morning, so uh, 20, time. 30, 40 of them. Uh, wow. and you know, n most of them weren't threatening me with court and, and things like that. They were, the threats were a bit different, uh, more mafia style. Oh yeah. And, I can imagine. Yeah. You know, you wake up, you have these calls and bam, like, you know, you collapse. I was unable to, to do anything. My mind was like a constant nuclear reactor. I couldn't slow it down. I couldn't quiet it down. Um, when I was at home, I was just lying on the sofa, you know, like curled up in that baby position, fetus position. And then sometimes on these rare occasions, you know, I would go out and, you know, meet with a friend, have a coffee. But while I was sitting at the table, you know, uh, I wasn't present. I was anxious, you know, when you start doing things like that or, or moving. Uh, you know, like all I wanted was to get away from that coffee. I wanted to be, you know, with my, in my own head because maybe I will get an idea how to solve everything. But then I went back home and I just wanted to go out because being by myself was killing me. Um, I also got divorced at that time and, uh, and, and yeah, literally lost everything. So wow. the thought of suicide 
started creeping in. Um, because the idea was in my head, okay, it might hurt for a second or a, or a few, but then everything goes quiet. Everything goes blank. Wow. And, and so more and more daily, I started thinking about it, contemplating it. You know, I would drive in a car and, and the truck was coming from the other direction. And I was like, how easy it will be to just steer the wheel. Um, I didn't do it because, you know, I was afraid of the pain. And what if I don't do it correctly? And then I end up on a wheelchair. Um, something I can laugh about today, but at that time it wasn't something to laugh about. But then one night, it was around 10, 11 p.m. It was already dark. Um, I was just about to be evicted from my apartment on the fifth floor. And I was smoking my last cigarette. I mean, last at that moment. And I just started climbing over the fence, looking down. Um, and... At that moment, the first thought that came into my head was my mom. So she signed, co-signed, but, you know, she was the last in line. So uh, they would go to her the last. So they had to, you know, do everything before and then they can go to her. But if I die, everything is transferred to her. And she was working at a bank, not even a bank clerk, but, you know, just in the office, going through paperwork. Wow, so you were um, really thinking it out. Like you were thinking like, what's going to happen if I actually do this? Um, like you're... Like uh, I will save myself, but what will happen to her? Yeah, no, yeah. So you're kind of thinking about, you know, what, what, would, what would come out of this if you actually decided to go through with it? Yeah, I was already on the other side of the fence. Wow. Well, um, I mean, sometimes, you know, that's enough for you for people to not do something like that is because the repercussions, right? When you think about it, you're not hurting your, you're not hurting you. You're hurting everybody else. But that was not why I didn't do it. No, no. Um, unfortunately, no, that was not enough. Uh, what happened in that moment was, uh, and I said that really, really out loud. So, I have no idea how many neighbors heard that. Uh, I said, well, I don't know. Are, are, you, uh, are you allowed to say the F-bomb here? Go ahead, say it. Um, yeah. Like, I can't say it any differently. Like, this is literally what I said in English. Mika, you fucking failed. And that was the first time I ever said that out loud. And I heard myself saying it. And the aha moment was the word you. Because up to that moment, I was blaming everything on my business partners, on the economy, on my workers, on the bank, on this person, that person, that situation, everything but myself, because I'm perfect. I was told all my childhood, I'm perfect. So it couldn't be me. And that was the first time I said that, and it hit me. Um, I fucked up. I really, really fucked up. And 
But the next second, uh, it was this liberating moment. And that was the word you. Because it came clear to me that I messed up. Nobody else. So my mom would pay for my mistakes. And at that moment, I was clear that if I messed up, I can do it better. I can do it differently. I just need to learn. I need to, uh, you know, get my shit together. I need to um, find the right people to help me and, and so on. But I can do it. For the first time ever, I took charge of my own life. I owned my own mistakes. And that was why I didn't do it. And then I ended up staying up all night. I, 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 I created list upon list upon list of things that I need to do. I need to change the bad habits, the this, the dead, the way, everything from waking up in the morning to, to my um, health, to this, to that. Like, like it was like a, you know, almost like I would do it on a, a toilet paper roll, uh, that long. Uh, and then the first thing that I did in the morning, the first step, I started pe calling people before they called me. And the conversation was like, so you know what? You always threaten me that you're going to do this and that. I don't. I really don't care. If that's going to repay the money, get your gun or whatever. you. Uh, I'm here. Come here and just shoot me. I don't care. And I really didn't care. Wow. Um, or if you want your money back, it's pretty obvious that I can't get a job and repay all that money with the, with the paycheck. So I need to create something huge to be able to repay that kind of money. So you can either help me a little bit, open maybe a door or two for me, or you can stop calling me because that just puts me in depression every single day and I'm unable to focus on actually doing something. So let's make an agreement. I'll call you once a month. It was the first Saturday of every month. And I'll give you an update and let's do it like that. Not many helped, not almost nobody, but they all gave me that peace and quiet. And I started slowly, piece by piece, changing my life, turning it around, growing. First, I had to do a lot of personal development. The foundation was not there. Uh, and you always need to start with the foundation. You can't build a skyscraper on top of foundations for a one-story house. You first need to increase the foundation, make it stronger, and then you can go up. And so it took me almost four years of working heavily on myself. But, you know, I handled everything. I handled all the debtors, everything. They were all waiting for me to... To, 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 to do something. And then in 2014, I created a startup and I scaled that startup from zero to multiple eight figures a month in less than a year. Wow. And, and, and that's when I proved foremost to myself, but then also to others uh, that I really, really, really learned from my past, from 
everything. And um, I even did a successful exit. I repaid the debt uh, with interest. So in the end, it was more than 7 million. Um, I did that with the exit. And, you know, um, Eastern Europe is not a huge, a huge place. Um, I mean, not all the Eastern Europe, but this part where, where I lived. And uh, companies started calling me. Entrepreneurs started calling me. You know, can you help me with this? I really want to hear how you did that. You know, like I was one of the really few people uh, who actually really bounced back. And I changed 180 degrees. Like to Miha today and Miha 10 years, 12 years ago. I mean, night and day. Uh, and uh, that's, yeah, that's how Fail Coach came. You know, and, and wow. the thing was I, was, I was having a beer with a friend and, and, you know, we were discussing like, oh, all these people are calling me. How about if I you know, start the coaching business and, and, you know, what would I name and all that. And, and he said like, well, you know, like you learned everything from failure and, um, you know, failure, like failure is number one reason, uh, number one dream killer, fear of failure. Uh, because every time you will go for your dreams, you will have to, uh, push yourself out of your comfort zone. Pushing yourself out of your comfort zone meaning means doing things for the first time. And whenever you're doing something for the first time, there is a huge chance that you will not succeed in your first try. And because we, we fear failure, we don't even try. And it's not that I help people avoid failure. Is not that I help them, you know, escape from that failure. What I do help them is establish healthy emotional relationship with failure. Because um, having something not turn out the way you want is just something happening to you. How you react to it, that's what makes the difference. And it's our negative reaction that then puts us into that roller coaster ride on a downward spiral into even more failure, more negative emotions, and all of that. I know that my numbers are fairly huge, the ups and the downs. But, you know, uh, whenever I talk about this topic, um, a lot of other people open up to me. And I've, I've heard, I mean, and now I know a lot of people who, who had gone through just a fraction of my uh, numbers, but the emotions were still the same there. So it's, it's all about our emotional reactions. And whenever something is really dear to us, we, it, it connected with bigger emotions. So it, it's, it, and if it turns out positive, you, you are more, uh, you know, your happy emotions are more elevated. And if it's, it doesn't turn out the way you want, you have like these huge negative emotions. And so what I help people is establish healthy relationship with failure. And mostly I work with entrepreneurs 
because yeah entrepreneurs are the number one group of people who if they want to achieve all those crazy dreams and all those crazy visions they need to push themselves out of comfort zone the hardest i mean athletes are there as well but you know there are not as much athletes in the world as it's entrepreneurs so that's why entrepreneurs are the biggest group of people who who uh face most challenges when it comes to failure and failure is number one reason among entrepreneurs uh for suicide as well wow so oh man this this story is just so powerful um and this is this is exactly why i created university of adversity because stories like this i can relate to you a lot because um, let's just go. There's so many things I want to unravel about this. So I can relate to you a lot because my dad died of pancreatic cancer as well. And it came out of nowhere, right? That's one thing. And then I lost a brother to suicide. So hearing these stories is very, very close to home, but I want to put that aside for a second. And I just want to talk about one thing you said in the beginning, um, how your parents had a successful business, right? So you said you didn't go a lot of failure, but they always told you that you were, you were enough. You were, you were going to be successful, right? So you, in a way, do you think that those positive affirmations that you had as a kid helped you? Because not everybody could do what you did. Not everybody could go through that, lose everything, go through the shit, and then come out doing so well. And though it may not seem like it, there's major development in the brain and how you how you feel about yourself and how you attract things into your life come from when you're zero to eight do you think that those affirmations that your parents did give you helped you at all as far as like maybe not you wouldn't know you wouldn't be aware of it directly but like it's in your subconscious mind right so do you think that that would have helped you long term as if somebody had a family that was like, you suck, you're never going to be anything, you're shit, you're all this, you're, you're that and the other. Do you think that that helped you long term at all? Or do you think it had nothing to do with it? In all honesty, I, I don't know. Like it makes sense. But then, you know, like those things also drove me to all those failures at first. I think it like there was something missing in that mix. It's almost like, you know, love of attraction. <clears throat> Many people love love of attraction, but they yeah. don't know how it really works. Um, so they gave me just the first part of love of attraction. Yeah. They gave me all those positive affirmations. But, you know, for the love of attraction to really work, one thing is to, of course, dream it or wish it or whatever. But then you need to make a plan and you need to execute and you need to create supportive environment around yourself. So they gave me that first part and then all the failures taught yeah. me that that's not enough. And then I created the plan that night. I started executing like crazy and I surround and, and I created support. Like I created supportive environment for myself. You know, at that time, Facebook, I don't know if it, if it, if it even existed. Uh, Facebook groups, for sure not. 
you know, coaching, mentoring industry. Okay, in the U.S., I guess it already existed. In Eastern Europe, it was nowhere near. I mean, even now, it's so rare to find people who are, you know, coaches and mentors and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I created my supportive environment by buying books from Amazon. I think yeah. that's why uh, um, I have, thankfully, all this vocabulary now in English language. So, you know, when I do workshops here locally, um, uh, half, of, half of my sentences are, are in, in English because, you know, I learned everything in English. And then TED Talks. TED Talks were amazing, you know, yeah. because I was able to see people who, who went through even bigger adversity. Um, I, I can't remember their names, but you know, there's this child, 17-year-old uh, who looks like an old uh, person uh, who then died. And you know, like these people go on stages and say, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, to me, that was like, you know, <laughs> how can you say that? You know, like how can you... How can you say something like that? You ended up on a wheelchair. How can that be the best thing that ever happened to you? Now yeah. I get it. Now I get it. It's, it's, All those failures were the best thing that ever happened to me. That's the thing. And, and that's kind of what I say as well, is I think that failure is actually a gift. If you understand that the failures that you've gone through are actually paving the way for you to become a better human in, in different areas, then you can really leverage it and, you know, become the best version of yourself. But, you know, I was in the same way, you know, I was a bartender, drunk every day, hung over. And all I did was think about why me, why is this happening to me? You know, why is this happening? Why is, why are these people dying? Why did this, why did that? And then when you start to own your life and you start to own that, what you're doing and you're creating your own life, things start to change. And when you start to understand that the people who go through shit, are the people that are the most well-rounded people, right? And it's just to hear that. And, and that's exactly like, you know, the kind of thing that I want the listeners to understand is that just because you've gone through failures doesn't mean that you're going to be a failure. It actually means that you're closer to becoming successful because it's only building, it's building you up and it's creating this thing that is, you know, stronger than the average person someone that comes from a family that gives them everything they don't you know ever go through anything they've never traveled they've never done anything if something happens to them they're screwed you know and kind of yeah. like what you said you you were sort of like i have all this and then you were faced with it and then all of a sudden you know you went through a hard time you got into all this debt you lost everything but the thing that was is amazing about that is how you were able to extract whatever you had in you and and put it forth and to create something like just amazing and that's why i thought because having that foundation in your subconscious mind through law of attraction even though you weren't applying a lot of it when you're in your negative phase i think when you brought when it came time to and you all the personal development that you know the different things you still have that underneath different layers you know that you can access and i feel like it, it it that kind of thing can definitely help somebody and along with all the other personal development like all the books there's so many amazing books out there and i love that you talked about that because people need to understand like how important that is that you you can't just 
Yeah, you have to build that foundation before you want to, you know, create something massive, yeah. right? Like, so I thought that was really cool. Is there, is there any specific books? Like, what's your top three books that you, you that are kind of like the ones that were like, kind of change a lot for you? Oh, I mean, I, I, I mean, one of them is definitely, um, I mean, I don't know the names of the books because I've read so many. Oh. But um, I would say that uh, if I go to specific, more like genre specific, like autobiographies of successful people, okay. uh, but not necessarily from business, just, you know, people who overcame a lot of adversity, who came in the end, uh, you know, victorious, uh, those helped me a lot, you know, because I was able to connect with them and you know like the story of that uh colonel sanders kfc you know like i can just see the guy being 60 something driving throughout the usa and being turned down 1009 times yeah you know like i'm 40 now and i almost can't imagine keep going after i would hear 1000 no's and that guy did it it's crazy you know? so Every time I want to give up or every time I wanted to give up, I just remember that story. And, and that story keeps me going. Um, so autobiographies. And then the second thing was more, not, not so much, you know, the, the traditional self-help books like Zig Zaglers and so on, um, but more books on emotional intelligence, books on mindfulness uh, and then books about Zen Buddhism. I don't know why, but I kind of found myself more in that, you know, it, it's not a traditional religion. There are no gods. There's no before life, after life. It, the, the main philosophy is this is the life you have. Now use this one, enjoy this one, live a happy life and so on. So I would say that, that would be mostly what I was reading throughout my life. But yeah, it was hundreds, if not thousands of all the different books. Yeah. Um, so it's very hard to, to, let's say, because each book gave me something. Yeah. That's, um, that's so powerful. Yeah. I mean, I, I know what you mean, you know, the more you read and you actually apply what you read, it can really change your life. You know, that's people's, life work they put into books you know and like if you utilize yeah. that you know and you read you can really you can change your life like you can really you know learn practical knowledge you know like i'm i don't know if you've ever read think and grow rich before you read yes. that yeah yeah so i um that was one book that i've kind of i keep going back i listen to it on audio and i actually just bought this like it's like a workbook for it and you actually go in and like, because for me with books, I, I don't retain the information as much. Right. So I'd rather I'm starting now. Anyways, I'd rather take one or two really good ones and dissect it and learn as much as I can out of it and apply it. than to read a whole bunch, because for me personally, um, it's hard to retain all that, but I mean, yeah, like that's the thing though. There's just so many good books out there and, and I'm just, yeah. The personal I mean, I, I, I still read a book here or there um, yeah. or re reread some of the ones that I already have. Uh, 
now I'm, I'm more uh, leaning towards being part of a few masterminds yeah. uh, and, and having mentors and coaches. Yeah. And sometimes we are coaching each other. Sometimes we are mentoring each other because, you know, we come from different places, different skill sets and so on. So, you know, like for me, my, my, I mean, at that time, books were all I have, I had. And, and, and the, a few TED Talks, you know, there were not thousands like you have today on, you know, you go on TED.com and there were literally thousands of videos. At that time, it was maybe a few hundred. Um, but uh, my, like how I see how you can get applicable knowledge is, so the books are written for the most general public. And that's why you need to go through quite a lot of different books on a certain topic mm. to find that mix that applies to you, works for you, because we are all different. We can't all use the same thing for, for, to, to solve a, a certain situation. Then, then you have courses, which are more, let's say, targeted, niche-specific, mm. but they're still quite general. Uh, and then you have coaching, which is, of course, uh, a group or a one-on-one. -on -one. So I would always go for a one-on-one -on -one because then it's really tailor-made to, to, to my specific needs. And, uh, well, I haven't done the last one uh, from my perspective, but I had one client uh, come live with me for, for three weeks. Um, he visited me. He just visited like for a few days traveling by and then he ended up staying three weeks and we had like this really super intense uh, boot camp thing. And, but you know, like we made um, such an amazing progress, such an insane scaling experience that, I mean, it, it's absolutely not possible, I think, to do that um, if you're just learning through a book. Because yeah. it takes much longer. Yeah, so I, sure. I, I lean in more towards, but yeah, like every now and then when I need some relaxed time or, you know, just to wind down instead of, you know, watching some uh, TV show, I pick up a book and, you know, sometimes just the books that I already read. So I don't have, I don't have to go in and read it from, from front to back, but, you know, I just pick a chapter here, a chapter there and just to remind myself and, and, you know, just, just like that. But, yeah, uh, and I never, I never was able to to really concentrate on audiobooks. I tried a few, but I don't know. Like I can listen to podcasts, no problem. But when it comes to books on audio, I don't know. I have really this hard time concentrating on the content. I yeah. always need to rewind, 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 and then I never even come after the first chapter. I I don't know. Like maybe. I'm more visual type, and, and, and so maybe it's because of that. I'm not sure. Well, I'm sure that it seems like you've, uh, you've found your way to retain information. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> what, so now a huge part, what I like to talk to people who are you know, entrepreneurs or people who have created something is um, like a daily routine. You know, what, is your daily, what does your morning look like? Like what do you do? what are the top three things that are non-negotiables for you? Or do you have one or you just kind of do whatever? Like um, for well, there. 
yeah, I, I, I'm a strong believer in routines because they set certain mood. They set certain intention if you do them properly. Um, one thing is I don't wake up super early. Um, you don't you have know, to, right? Well, it's not just that I, oh yeah, I don't have to. That's one thing, but you know, everybody's talking how these super successful CEOs, they all wake up at 4am and 4.30 and so on. Uh, I'm, I don't believe that there is just one way to start your day and that you need to wake up super early. I tried it a few times and then I would just stare at the wall for three hours and drink like gazillion coffees. Yeah. And I was completely useless. And also I had to go to bed pretty early. So I had to cut down on my creative time because at, at, you know, at night I'm most creative. So I, I believe more in, in, Learning about yourself, getting to know who you are, how your biorhythm naturally flows and works, mm -hmm. and then curb the day. I mean, of course, if you have young kids and you need to take them to school, you can't sleep until 10 a.m. Uh, so I do have that luxury for now uh, that I can really plan the day however I want. So I, I, I basically wake up when I wake up. I, no alarm clock, no nothing. Sometimes I wake up at six. Sometimes I wake up at 11 and, and that's when my day starts. Yeah. But yeah, when, when it starts, of course, first is the bathroom. Um, and then, uh, I, uh, have to let my dogs out and things like that. Um, so this is the first thing. Dogs are the first thing, the thing that I do in the morning. Then I make myself coffee, um, and then I'm using most of that Hal Elrod's miracle morning thing. You know the 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 six things. So you journal a little bit, you meditate a little bit, you do something for a little bit of exercising, um, uh, you you plan a little bit, but. I do the planning the night before. Um, I, I kind of found that when I do my planning for next day in the evening, uh, what that does, I don't lie in bed uh, rethinking, I, I must not forget this, I must not forget that. But, you know, like 10 minutes before I go to sleep, I just unload everything from my head and then I, I fall asleep like this because there's nothing. Um, you mean like journaling? Me. You mean like no, no, no. Out? No, no, to do's, to do's, what I need to do tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Everything that I must not forget. The journaling I do in the morning. Okay. Yeah, so I have a little bit of a routine before, before going to bed. So when I see that it's, it's about time to go to bed, I stop using the devices, um, you know, the bathroom time, and then I go to bed. And then I usually, that's when I read the most. So, you know, like for 10, 15 minutes, they say it's really, really uh, good for the eyes to read before you, you, you sleep uh, because uh, you get extra tired so you can fall asleep really quickly. That's what I heard. It works for me. Yeah. I, I fall asleep like this. So I sleep for, I, I mean, I read for five, 10 minutes and bam, I'm, I'm gone. Uh, and I sleep really well. And, and then, you know, the, one of the routines is also, you know, not to drink any alcohol like a beer or, or not to eat at least four or five hours before sleeping. And, and I, I sleep much, much, much better, uh, especially if I don't eat uh, because, you know, then instead of sleeping, you're digesting 
And I mean, I, I don't drink much, but you know, like every now and then I have a beer or two, but even just one or two beers, uh, if I drink them uh, before sleep, um, I don't sleep uh, well. Uh, the quality of sleep is not there. Mm, me too. I'm the same way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just a few simple things like that. Uh, but yeah, I'm a firm believer. And, and even during the day, you know, like, uh, when I need to do certain tasks, I would, you know, like, I don't know, have five minutes of uh, TED Talks or, or, or 10 minutes of TED Talks. Uh, and I have a few that really inspire. I mean, I have a list. I, I don't remember the titles, but I have lists uh, in my YouTube with, with different types of TED Talks for different situations. So, you know, when I know that I need to sit down and do some boring admin things, or bureaucracy, I, I have just the right TED Talks that inspire me to do that. And then, you know, when I need to do something creative, something that gets me in the creative mood. Um, so I, I, I try to be, um, you know, focused. So um, I, I'm not a multitasker anyway. Uh, and I, I, I am very careful that I don't multitask. So, you know, like one minute you do to-dos and then you switch to creative and then back to this. But I, I kind of, um, and what I do is basically I just go into to-dos and then work until I feel drained. Then I have a pause and then I might go into to-dos mood again or maybe I'll switch to another thing. But, you know, I have this like 45-minute periods and then a pause and then again 45 minutes and so on. So that's really, I like that because... Um... That's the thing a lot of people find is they get very unfocused, right? You, so hold on. So you, you have a to-do list of the things. So you just go through them until you're finished kind of thing? Or you said you don't multitask. So you just yeah. work on one thing at a time. and um, uh, that's, b- yeah. Big, to, big to-do lists overwhelm me and I tend to procrastinate. So yeah, every too. time what I do is, so I have this, post-it notes yeah. um, and I, I go to my to-do list and pick one thing, write it on the post-it note and I leave the to-do list elsewhere and then uh, I just go and do that one thing. That's and awesome. I ha- and, and then I have a ritual how I crumble it and I go to the trash can and I throw it in there and you know, it's like victory. <laughs> awesome, yeah, man. another thing done. That's a really um, and, and, good way to do it, actually. I like that a lot. So you go yeah. and you write a whole bunch of one things on the thing, then you just pick yeah. one, and then, yeah. you do it, and then you chuck it in the bin after. Yeah, and wow. even, you know, I split things, you know, into a few thoughts. Like, you know, sometimes my inbox is quite overwhelmed. And, yeah. you know, I can't sit at my computer and go through 100 emails. But, you know, I would put uh, clear... 10 emails from your inbox. And that means I just go and tackle first 10 emails. So maybe I will just delete it. Maybe I will unsubscribe myself from something. Maybe it needs a reply, but you know, I need to tackle 10 emails. And, and then when I'm done with the 10, it depends. If I feel like going a bit more, I, I go to 15, 20, whatever. So there is no upper limit as, as I feel, but the minimum is to do what's written on the, on the post. Wow, that's good, you know, because you're obviously you you've done well for yourself. So your productivity is obviously very high, which is good. And that's what a lot of people I know personally I struggle 
with having a bunch of stuff to do and then not doing anything because like you said, it gets overwhelming. So it's, it's cool to have those little things that kind of break it down so that you can kind of get things done, but not in an overwhelming sort of way. But you know, that starts before when you're putting the to-do list together. Like what I've learned from my past is uh, we tend to have a lot of busy work on our to-do list. And, you know, that's something where emotional intelligence and and mindfulness kicks in. So um, when we put something on a to-do list, it seems important in that moment. But if you can detach yourself a little bit from that emotional moment, and that mindfulness comes into play here, you can logically say, well, is this really important or is just busy work? So a lot gets filtered even before it goes on my to-do list. Um, and, and so I just focus on the important and the rest. I, I try to delegate, you know, you can get cheap VAs. Uh, yeah. And if you give them good instructions, and a lot of times it's something to copy-paste or something like that, um, they can be very, very effective. So it doesn't have to cost a lot. Uh, my VA, and she does a lot of work for me. Uh, and, and I mean, she makes with me uh, four times as much, it, uh, or, yeah, four times as much it's, as she would in her normal job. So I feel okay that I'm not underpaying. Uh, and on the other hand, like it's, it's less than 200 bucks a month. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the good way to do it. That, that's one thing. And a lot of things just go into trash before even they go into the to-do list because it's just some busy work that doesn't really need to happen at all. That's a lot and of good, you know, good value there that you're yeah. leaving here. Yeah. And that's you know, a- like I, I do this thing that's uh, a review, weekly review every Sunday. And you know, I review, so I know what are my main processes. So for me, being in service business, offering you know coaching, mentoring, that's a service business. So basically, the main processes are know, like, trust, buy, uh, deliver. So and every day I try to do at least one thing for people, new people to get to know me. So you know, for today, it's this recording, this podcast, and you know I will go in front of many new people uh, and they will get to know me. And then one thing to do for the like and one thing to do for the trust. And, you know, uh, for the buy, it, it isn't something that's on a daily schedule, but then deliver as well. So I have different clients, I have groups, I have one-on-ones and, you know, something for the delivery to be on top, to, to deliver at least, I mean, and I always go for the over-delivering. So to over-deliver on what they purchased. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. Um, so much value, man. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I just, yeah, like your story and how you've been able to come back and all these different things that you use for productivity. Super important because a lot of people out there who want to be entrepreneurs want, you know, they want the end result, but they don't want to do the little things in between that it takes. Right. And, and just the, just the practical stuff that you're saying there, people can use, you know, just breaking down tasks in, in simple ways. Um, I liked what you said about if you want to do some sort of admin task, you watch like a Ted talk with somebody that's kind of in that field. So it sort of sparks you into that sort of mindset, which is a really cool idea. 
it's kind of like if you have to, whatever you have to do based on that task, you, you listen to somebody or watch something that has that sort of thing that you can just take and, and, and kind of inspire you, which is awesome. Um, what I wanted can to I, really can I, can, I, can, I, can yeah, I just add one thing? So yeah. um, is your audience mostly people who are entrepreneurs? It's, it's going to, yeah, it's, um, well, I am right. And, and the key, the huge community that I'm a part of is a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of affiliate marketers, a lot okay. of people, you know, doing the same sort of thing, quitting the nine to five, whatever reason it may be creating their own business and wanting to create freedom for themselves. Through, okay. Um, Number one reason why entrepreneurs fail. And I'm not talking about their companies. That's a different subject. But why entrepreneurs fail on the entrepreneurial journey? Uh, the ones that are successful take action. The ones that fail make excuses. You know, I don't have this. I can't do that. I get overwhelmed by this. You know, like there will always be something on your path. I mean, I don't know why it is like that, but. If you are an introvert, then one of the key things that you will need to do is go out and network. If you're an extrovert, you will need to buckle down and, and do some admin work, which, you know, you want to go mingle with people. But you need to do that part as well, it, especially when you're just starting out and you need to bootstrap and you don't have money to pay a VA and, and, and create a team. Uh, so the number one reason why so many entrepreneurs fail is because they're making constant excuses and the ones that don't fail, they take massive action. It's not always the right action. Don't get me wrong. Um, you, you fail at steps, you hit roadblocks, you know, like um, that happens all the time, but you keep going. You keep going, you keep taking action. Of course, it's smart thing to, you know, um, consult with somebody, ask somebody, go to a, I don't know, mastermind or something where you have like-minded people who already went through something that you're facing and they can, you know, speed up the process. But even if you go with trial and error, you will get there. Eventually you will get there if you take action. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. Now, I don't, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do want to ask you two more questions. Sure. Um, that I feel, otherwise I'm going to forget and I'm going to regret it. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do or what do you recommend to people listening to overcome laziness? That feeling of, I know you touched on it a little bit, that, that laziness, the procrastination, the knowing you should do things, but you just... It's that lazy feeling. How do you, what do you, how do you teach people to overcome that? Um, I don't teach them to overcome that. What I do with them is we do this few exercises to figure out whether they're really hungry to do it, whether they're really passionate. I mean, when you are passionate about something, you don't procrastinate. You're not lazy when you do something that that's, you know, uh, your legend or, or something you really want to achieve when you're hungry to, to go to, to do that. There are quite a few different strategies, techniques that you can use, but it would be a bit too lengthy to go into them right now. 
Uh, but, you know, most of the time that just shows me that, you know, yeah, they, they want something like, you know, oh, it's a good idea. Maybe I can be an entrepreneur, but they, they don't really want it. Mm-hmm. They're not hungry enough. They're not nearly hungry enough. So you feel that if you really are serious, laziness won't come into the, in, into the play? Um, you will overcome it. Yeah. You will overcome it. Like you overcome, you know, going to a networking or, you know, I had to overcome my fear of stages going in front of seven, eight, nine hundred people. And every time, five minutes, 10 minutes before that, I was asking myself, like, why, why on earth do you put yourself through this? Why do you do this to yourself? Why, why wouldn't I just turn around and run away? But you know, if I want to follow my mission, which is breaking the taboo called failure, and the only way I know how to do it is by sharing my story because that gives voices to other people to start opening up. I need to do that. And I overcame that every single time. And it's easier and easier. But I push myself through all the adversity. And there are still many things from my childhood that pop up. You know, but I, I push myself through that. Uh, and I, I see that with many other people who then later on become successful. Uh, they find a way. Like, you know, when you really want something, you will find a way. And when you don't want something, you will find an excuse. Yeah. Well, that's that's an awesome point. Um, now, I like to ask everybody this as kind of like the one takeaway that people can apply in their life. So what is the one thing um, for people to overcome adversity so they can go on to apply it in their life and to go on achieve whatever it is they want to do? What is that one thing that just boom, pops up in your head that you can say for someone that maybe not everybody, or it's not going to connect with everybody, that one person that can, take that and apply it in their own life? Um, they need to sit down with themselves um, and, and, and really just figure out whether they want to be the victim or they want to be the winner. It's not going to be easy. There will be many roadblocks, many failures, but is it really worth living the life as a victim, playing that victim and living in the comfort zone. For me, that's the biggest failure because then, in my opinion, you fail on life because you're not following your true passion. You're not following who you are, what you can be, and so on. So I would suggest to anybody who is in that limbo, um, just Sit down with yourself, figure out, you know, stop blaming everything else. Start owning your own life. Help is out there, you know. I I do uh, probably two times more volunteer and and free of charge work than, than that I do paid things. But I always do that for people who show me that they're really, really hungry. So if they don't show me, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not going to waste my time and my energy for somebody who just wants to find excuse for every single thing. But, course, uh, you know, yeah. if you're hungry, 
it's so easy to find a mentor. It's so easy to find somebody who will help you if you pay it forward and you show them that you really want it. Yeah. So own own your failures, own your your wins, own your losses, own your life, right? That's that's kind yeah, of like what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You Step know, out of that victim mentality. Yeah. Um, you know, that's awesome. um, for I mean, maybe 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 because I went through so much adversity myself, there is no excuse that can go by me. And if it if it didn't happen to me, believe me, I'll find somebody on TED Talk or or on YouTube who went through 10 times bigger thing and, and, and is now standing somewhere in the world on a stage saying that was the best damn thing that ever happened to me. And I won. And I will find somebody to prove you that it's your choice. Nobody else's. It's not your government choice. It's not your family's choice, your, your, your friend's choice, the, the media choice. Nobody, you can move, you can migrate, you can, you know, like, um, I have one person in, in, uh, that I'm coaching. I mean, it's not a regular coaching, but I do it for free. I really like the guy. He's 20 something, 23, 24 from Africa. And he's a copywriter, English copywriter. And he got already published in Thrive, in, in, in The Economist, I think. And when, when we started, he was barely making a living. And now, after a few months, he makes four or 5,000 US dollars a month. In, for Africa, that's like he's top 1% of the population already. Wow. And at first, the goal was to hit 5K by the end of the year. But we are now, I'm pushing him a little bit to up it up to 10K a month. And I, I know he can do it. I yeah. know he can. So if, if somebody like that can do it, if, that, if Colonel Sandals could drive around in that crappy Corolla in the 60s or the 70s, um, you know, he was not the thinnest. He was not the most athletic. He was quite a bit chubby guy. Uh, and he liked chicken. Not, yeah. And, 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 you know, he was sleeping in these truck stops and, 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 and he hurt 1,009 times. It was 1,009 times. No. And he still went for it. I mean, you know, like, you better be prepared when you try to find an excuse that I will buy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, it's a great story. And I, um, I really appreciate you sharing your story. I, I, you have a lot of value to give, give people. And I... Um, yeah, I definitely learned some stuff from you today and I, I really appreciate you coming on. Like it was, uh, yeah, this is, this is exactly why I wanted to do this show is because, you know, stories like this, because people have a chance, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, you don't really fail until you quit, you know, like failures are just small stepping stones and you can really, you know, overcome them. And, and, you know, the more I hear stories like this, it inspires me and, you know, we can make a big change in people's lives. And, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come and share this with us. And, you know, um, yeah, thank you I, so much. Thank you for inviting me. Um, and if anybody wants to get in touch with me, share their story, I'm, 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 I'm creating this show 
um, failuresanonymous.com and, and you have like a confession booth there so you can do it completely anonymously. But they're, if they're ready to speak up, to open up, I'm doing interviews, Zoom interviews. Uh, right now I'm posting that just on Facebook, but uh, I am now uh, putting everything on YouTube as well. Uh, we need to open up. We, and I drill people really deep into emotions, into uh, the, the, the negative self-talk because I, I'm, I'm fed up with, you know, talking about failures in a superficial way. Yeah. You know, everybody just saying, oh, yeah, I failed at this and this and this and this. And they are just naming the failures. When, when people go on my show, I drill them down to, to emotions, to, to self-talk. And you can see they come into the interview, you know, all hyped up and everything. And then you can see how, when we come to that point, how their body language changes, how their tone of the voice changes. And then we go into how they bounced back. What was that first step that they had to do? And things like that. And there are many different stories, entrepreneurial stories, relationship stories, this stories, that stories. Um, so... Yeah, um, I strongly believe that we need to talk about it and we need to dig deep. We need to go into the emotions because the emotions behind failures are what gets us down, not just the thing happening to us, but mm -hmm. our emotional reaction to that thing, to That's that powerful. moment. That's powerful. So, so we can find you on Facebook? Yeah, Facebook, Instagram. LinkedIn. Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean... Twitter, uh, most, the, the most Twitter I have on autopilot, to be okay. honest. I, I found a service that just puts five mm -hmm. tweets or something like that Perfect. every day, um, just so that I keep the, the, the handle so that somebody doesn't take it. But yeah, I'm not active there. Uh, so mostly, most, Facebook? mostly Facebook. All my groups are on Facebook as well. Uh, of course, they can go to my website, www.fail.coach. Really easy, really simple. Um, and yeah, just Facebook and not even my Facebook page, but just my Facebook profile. Cool. Like personal have, profile. Do you, okay. So I want to, can you, can you repeat that show that you're coming out with? Cause I think that's super cool. And I think you should really, really be uh, proud of that. And, and I'd like people to listen to go to that. That's pretty awesome. How do you, what is that again? Right now I post all those interviews on my, uh, personal profile on Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's failuresanonymous.com. Okay. Failuresanonymous.com. Very cool. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I, I mean, there was tons of value here. So thank you very much, man. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, it, was, it was my pleasure. Okay, have, a, have an amazing day. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.